So welcome to The Winnow, a podcast about dining in the South and beyond. I'm Robert Moss, the author of Barbecue, the History of an American Institution. I'm Hannah Raskin, food editor at The Post and Career. Today we're doing the research trip edition of The, of the Winnow, because Hannah and I have both been out uh, on the road doing research, and we're bringing back our reports uh, to, to let, let you guys know what we found. We're talking about uh, barbecue, and finding great barbecue all over, all over the South, and we're talking about crab legs. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about grievances along the way, because sometimes research trips uh, dig up some grievances. So we'll start with uh, barbecue, I guess. And actually, I'll start off first with uh, sort of a mea culpa uh, on on barbecue. I did do a piece recently for the Post and Courier. Thank you for doing that. It was a lot of fun to do. (laughs) On the death of the barbecue buffet, or at least the decline of the barbecue buffet. It was sort of prompted by Bessinger's uh, barbecue here in in Charleston closing its buffet. And and then um, not long after that, uh, another buffet closed down, uh, Jackie Heights in Leesville. Jackie Height passed away a year or two ago, uh, the owner and founder of Jackie Heights. His family kept the restaurant going for a while, but uh, they finally announced just uh, a couple weeks ago that they were closing their buffet. Uh, so there's one less, one, one fewer barbecue buffet. That was actually after, I think, the piece came out for the Post and Courier. Yeah, in, the, in the process, I was basically said, by my count, there are only two barbecue buffets left in the Lowcountry, uh, down here in the, in the Charleston area. We had a number of others, like JB Smoke Shack uh, closed up, uh, Poe Pigs out in Edisto. So they've been closing down. And I said there the two I, that I knew of were Dukes, both named Dukes. One there's a Dukes barbecue on James Island, and there's a Dukes in North Charleston, which I still believe is still in operation. It has such a short, limited hours, um, and it's been associated for years with uh, the Dukes up in Orangeburg. I can't remember which one. There are two Dukes in Orangeburg, one by the Pepsi plant and one by the, uh, on the Chestnut Street, I think. And Pepsi plant's no longer there, so you have to sort of know have been around Dukes for a long time. It's associated with one of those, and they bring they actually cook the, the barbecue up there and brought, bring it down to North, to North Charleston. It uh, turns out I missed a few uh, low country bar- barbecue buffets. Now, this is a good thing because if you like a barbecue buffet like I, I do, I, I – Excluded uh, Music Man from my list. Why? Well, I knew I've been there a while back. Yeah. It's been a while, but it's way up in Monk's Corner. It's pretty far. Um, so I don't know. I mean, probably maybe should have included it. Maybe not. I don't know if that was really Charleston area. It's a long drive for me it to get there. It is really far. Yeah. Uh, I, the reason I was there last week is because I was curious about their catfish stew. Oh, okay. Yeah, I saw you. You sent me yes. a picture there yep. up there. I didn't yep. know if you were just following up on the buffet part of it. But no, I found the catfish stew, and I walked in. And I thought, oh look, a barbecue yes. buffet. So they do have a barbecue think, buffet. Yes. Yep. Um, they're almost as far out. To me, is Sweatman's in Holly Hill, I which agree. has a great barbecue buffet. I totally agree. Um, so, but I totally recommend it. You know, mm-hmm. if you're up up in Monk's Corner. So, I guess I don't know if does does uh, the Post and Courier have a definition of what the Charleston area is? Does Monk's Corner fall into it? Um, I mean, I think we cover the Tri County. area. Okay, it's in the it's in the Tri County <laughs> area. Is that Berkeley or Dor- that's Berkeley County, I believe? So it's it's in there. Uh, I also miss Kelly's Barbecue in Somerville, um, which is not. One because it was too far out. It's just I didn't know they did a, an all-you-can-eat buffet, yeah. um, and so I'll be. I've been trying. To, I was going to go today's a Monday. Yeah. We're recording it. I was going to go there. Not open Monday and Tuesday, so I was hoping to get up there for lunch uh, and report back. I haven't made it there yet, but I will be heading out this week uh, and, and giving it a, a sample because yeah, if there's a barbecue buffet left around in the yeah. Tri County area, yeah. I definitely want to want to try it. Those are only two. I got a flood of emails from people uh, reminding me about uh, the, those oversights or, or informing me of. of my Oversight. So, uh, thank you to those who, who sent coming. a nice email. Um, some people were really some ag- people left angry voicemails. <laughs> very, very aggrieved about about that. Yeah. I, um, it's not like I 
said that it was a bad restaurant. I didn't give it a negative review. I, I, I just didn't know about it. So thank you for, <laughs> for letting me know. And it, it's, it's more like a good thing if I, oh, good news, there's a buffet you haven't right. tried. So yeah. I'll, I'll go out and, and give Kelly's a exactly. shot. Exactly. Great. And uh, related to that, uh, speaking of, of, of a grief, I actually got more grief over omitting those two barbecue buffets than I did over my Southern Living top 50 barbecue list. I'm not Which surprised. came out. Well, I'm, I am, because those, those top 50 <laughs> lists tend to, especially with Texans, they tend, it tends to just like bring people out of the woodwork. they got nothing on Somerville. Yeah, I know. Somerville is... <laughs> Somerville is... They, yes. Don't, 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 get, don't, don't get people don't in Somerville. Somerville. Yes, yes. Yeah, I, yeah I, I didn't overlook Texas. Um, <laughs> Would be hard. In the list. Of, of the, I had to always remind myself of the top 10, uh, three of the top 10 were in Texas. So I got some grief from people in Texas for that, predictably. They felt uh, they should have all it, been? Yes. I mean, yeah. if you're from Texas, uh, the yeah. fact that there's even one uh, non-top 10. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was unfair mm-hmm. um, to say this list is garbage. Because so only, which three from Texas? <laughs> uh, uh, Louis Muller. Mm-hmm. I always try to say that right. It's actually Miller, Miller, Miller Louis Miller uh, in Taylor, Texas, mm-hmm. uh, which is just fantastic brisket and beef ribs. Absolutely wonderful. Um, a new one on the list, because I, I finally got there. I hadn't been there before. The last list uh, came out, which was two years ago, which is Snows mm-hmm. uh, in l- tiny Lexington, Texas, out in the, in the middle of, of the countryside. Absolutely mm-hmm. wonderful. Open only Saturdays. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tootsie Tomorets, uh, who's now in her early 80s. Right. If you're saying it's a new to you, new to your new, list. No, not, not, not new, new at all. Just no. to be clear. No, it's, it's just hard to get to, because right. it's open. They open at 8 a.m. Yep. on a, uh, a Saturdays only, and they mm-hmm. close when they sell out. So yep. unless you just happen to be in the central Texas right. on Saturday morning, yep. it's hard to get to. And then the other one is the, another one that's hard to get into, which is Franklin Barbecue in, in Austin, which still is, is fantastic. You, you still have to wait in a long line to, to get in there. So those three made the list, and a bunch of more talk, Texas places uh, in the top 50. But that, that, those made the, the top 10. Mm-hmm. Um, I did get yeah, some, a lot of grief from people saying, wait, there are too many mustard sauce places no. on this list. And say, well, I'm from yeah. South Carolina. Right. So guilty, uh, guilty is charged. But it was a lot of fun doing that one, and it was a lot of fun, particularly going back and revisiting. Uh, I revisited as many places as there were on the previous top fifty list as I, as I could get to, mm-hmm. uh, and then tried about a bunch of other ones that were new, like snows. Uh, another one, new one uh, on a trip to Texas was Tejas Chocolate in Tomball, Texas, which mm-hmm. is outside of, of Houston, Houston, absolutely blew me away. I'd heard about it. I'd done a pr- visit to Houston before, but Houston's so darn big. If you're only there for two days, it's hard to get to all the barbecue places just logistically. Right. You, know, you drive for, forever and ever. So I made the Tejas t- Chocolate, which is a artisan chocolate store mm-hmm. that's been in, in sort of old town Tomball for um for a while, and apparently they weren't, you know, they were making money, but not enough. Uh, and so they, uh, one of the owners invited his brother to come start cooking uh, some some brisket, and they were selling it, I think, on Saturdays and stuff like that. And before long, people, it, he cooks really good brisket, by the way, and uh, turned it into more of a barbecue joint. So now it's a barbecue joint, basically, with a handcrafted chocolate counter <laughs> that you you stand next to while you're waiting to, ah. to uh, order the barbecue. That sausage there mm-hmm. is it was out of this world. Yeah. They they do all sorts of um, specialty sausages. Um, they, they do the standard sort of 
Texas hot guts, but then they always do other. They had like a cheddar chorizo sausage when I was there. It was just absolutely wonderful. And they're committed All, to keeping the chocolate going. Yeah, they're okay. I, I, it, it's going right along. I say right. you literally you'll wait, yeah. you line up, and you wait all the way out you know to the street. There's yep. a cooler of Lone Star beer that's free. Mm-hmm. It's so it's so very uh, hospitable to give free beer yep. while you're waiting, and, and it goes down well when you're sitting in the hot sun. But yeah, once you get inside, you're you, you're still waiting. There's two long chocolate counters, yeah. and you you can order chocolate separate from the barbecue. Mm-hmm. Uh, did not get chocolate because okay. I was doing multiple barbecue visits yeah. <laughs> one time. So, but uh, but anyway, that made the, the list, and it's it absolutely wonderful. Right. Um, but uh, definitely, I just like the the traveling around and uh, rented the cars and just hit the yeah. back roads and uh, saw a lot of a lot of uh, Texas, a lot of Alabama and and uh, Georgia and North mm-hmm. Carolina. There's a lot of country out there yeah. <laughs> to, to drive down. So that was my uh, my recent. Uh, my recent right. research so what was trip. number one? Number one, uh, Scott's Barbecue up in Hemingway. Okay. Uh, and uh, Rodney Scott's here in Charleston made the top 50 as well. Mm-hmm. It didn't quite crack the top 10, but mm-hmm. it's close. It's so hard. I mean, Tom, Tim Carmen was on um, the podcast of, uh, two months ago or so, mm-hmm. and we, we talked about the project I was working on and you know the fact that this time around, rather than just saying, here are the 50 best barbecue restaurants in the South in no particular order, I'd say that's, it's cheating. I got to do them in order. Right. So I one, one to 50, virtually impossible to mm-hmm. do, <laughs> you know, and how do you compare like even like Scott's barbecue in Hemingway versus Rodney Scott's here in Charleston, the cook, the, the pork is very, very almost, almost identical, a little bit different cooking method, but there's something cool about the location out in Hemingway, the burn barrels in the sure. back, the whole atmosphere. And I swear the pork just tastes a little better up there. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure why that is. Yeah. And so I think Tim and was talking about that when he was here, that he went to both and he he felt like there's just something different about the way they, they cook it up there. Yeah. So it's subtle. But the hardest thing is how do you compare like uh, Old Hickory in, in Owensburg, mm-hmm. Kentucky, which makes great mutton and burgoo right. with like a Cadillac barbecue in Dallas, which is fantastic brisket, are then like, um, you know, Grady's or uh, barbecue in North Carolina, mm-hmm. which is a whole hog barbecue. They're right. just so different. Right. You know, they, right. So how do you how do you do it? So yeah. I, I got some grief from people for, uh, you know, leaving certain restaurants off the list. But mm-hmm. as I said, it's it, it, people didn't make the top fifty. It wasn't because they're anything wrong with the restaurant. It just, it's hard to, sure. it's a hard nut and, to crack. And 50 sounds like a big number, yeah. but it's not that it's big of a number. Really yeah, it's really small when you start lining up the, 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 all the quality yeah. barbecue out there. Yeah. It's like, there's a ton of them. And so I'd sort the list and back and forth. And, uh, you know, there's a, there's a sort of bubble of about, I'd say 20 or 30 restaurants. Mm-hmm. They were on the cusp of making it. Yep. Some were on and they got moved off and back and forth. And, yep. Um, so, uh, so we'll see. There's definitely one slot open though, which is uh, Jackie Heights made my oh, my okay. top fifty list, and it, right. it went to press before I learned that mm-hmm. uh, that they were going to close down. So right. that one will be open next time around. So there's at least right. one slot out yep. there. Uh, hopefully, there won't be too many that open up uh, right. for that, for that reason. reason. There'll be more that just you know the hard competition will continue. So that was my research trip uh, all over the place, Texas, mm-hmm. North Carolina. You made a trip recently yourself. Uh, not quite as far from, no. from here, but up up the coast. Right. I went up to Myrtle Beach to go eat crab legs. And this was before the hurricane came uh, through? No, or it after? was after. Okay. So they were happy to see a tourist. <laughs> so, so there probably was not a long line for there, crab there legs. There was no line for crab legs, but no. that is, as you say, extremely unusual. Typically, um, the buffets are, yes. I mean, they have, you know, they have the corda, the, the velvet ropes, and it's been and, a while since I've been to Myrtle Beach, yeah. but I do remember from back when I was, you know, 
late teens or you know college age years. We were just going wait and wait and oh, wait yeah. and wait and to, have, to I eat. Mean, it's like at the theme park. It's like yeah. a parties of five or more in this line, <laughs> parties of two to four in this line. I mean, it is. And, and as I said, there's a rope. I mean, they will not let you just charge the host station. I mean, everything is totally they organize them like cattle, basically. <laughs> so it's it's impressive. And I'm speaking specifically of Captain George's, which is the most opulent of all Myrtle Beach seafood buffets. I would, I'd be curious. I know you may not have done this yeah. in your research. Um, you, to know what percentage of the seafood restaurants have captain in the name. There's got to be a lot of them. That's a great question. Okay, so as I said, I was focused on Myrtle Beach because I thought this is just kind of the zenith of crab-like yes. culture in South Carolina. Um, and that's but, and that's the case literally three decades ago oh, yeah. when I was I – mean, yep. this is not something new. All-you-can-eat crab-like buffets were huge. Well, I was going to try and date it for you. So it, it really was kind of the early 70s yep. that they, they took hold. Now, they started out – there was already the Calabash tradition Mm -hmm. coming down from North Carolina. So the idea that you would go to a buffet and eat, you know, fried scallops and fried oysters and fried shrimp, that already existed. But they became overtaken by crab legs at some point. In the, in so, the 70s. In the, yeah, so in the 70s. So Captain George <laughs> arrives in the early uh, – they got there, I want to say, 81. They started in Virginia. Um, and now Myrtle – so now they have four locations. Myrtle Beach is the largest of them. Oh, so in Virginia, were they 1, somewhere like at the beach up there? 30 well? seats. Uh, I'm sorry? Well, in Virginia, were they along the beach up, up yeah. there, like Virginia yeah. Beach or somewhere yeah. like that? Yeah, okay. and they moved down. They opened in Kell Devil Hills. Um, I think they have a second North Carolina location mm -hmm. and now Made it and Myrtle, Myrtle Beach. Beach is the, the and how many seats again? One thousand and thirty seats. One thousand and thirty seats. Sat, and they only serve dinner. Most of them are sat at least twice during the summer. So they they'll night. turn over two thousand covers. They are as they say. the largest independent buyer of crab legs in the world. <laughs> 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 they serve two tons of Alaskan crab legs a night. Two wow. tons. Two tons. Now, yeah. I used to work at a seafood restaurant uh -huh. that served snow crab legs, but yep. we didn't serve a whole lot. Uh -huh. You know, we didn't have all you could eat or anything like that. And they came in these big boxes. So how did they arrive? Do they come in like in like crates or in like how much? Two tons must be like they have to have a forklift. That's a great question. To, yeah. And actually, it's unfortunate because of the hurricane. Because I was oh, trying yes. to arrange. I wanted to be there for the delivery and all that. And things got thrown off because the roads are closed. <laughs> and so I wasn't able to be there for that. But... Um, I ate a lot of crap. Yeah. I'll tell you that. So I, 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 I had such. <laughs> so a despite good time there. The, the hurricane, despite the hurricane, the supply, the crab supply was uninterrupted. The snow crab made it through. Okay. Um, so the reason I was interested, in it, so as I may have already mentioned, so Captain George's is one of twelve um, all-you-can-eat crab leg buffets in Myrtle Beach, which is pretty significant. And some some worry that they're losing uh, some of their popularity to the Japanese steak mm -hmm. houses, which we've talked we about. Talked about we've those, talked about those. Yes. Those it, before. Uh, but they're going strong because South Carolina as a state and certainly along the coast, is obsessed with Alaskan crab legs. <laughs> and so that was my question is why, when we live in blue crab country, yes. is, do we eat this much crab leg? Um, the the Alaskan fisheries couldn't help me at all. I, want, I was hoping I was able to find out that, like, you know, their export statistics or shipping statistics. Well, did you get a feel for, because Myrtle Beach, obviously, mm -hmm. huge tourist destination. Yep. 
the demographics? Is it like people from it, South Carolina as well as from yeah. oh, you know, yeah. Ohio oh, yeah. and who, oh. who knows where oh, else? I mean, what I, what, again, there had been a hurricane. So it's yes. like, there was I know you were sampling. <laughs> and so, and, and you were <laughs> well, the census taker. They're like, so you're a local? I mean, <laughs> the, the, the locals love crap. Like, this oh, is not, it's not just tourists from elsewhere who don't know anything about what, no, what's in no, our waters. No. It's people who live in South Carolina. People who live in South Carolina. And in fact, these two things are connected. So what it appears to be, and this is one of the things, as, as you've studied food history, you know, some things we can never actually right. know. And so who knows? But it <laughs> seems that South Carolinians have a taste for crab. They love crab. <laughs> they eat crab. They know exactly what to do with crab. They have all sorts of ideas for crab meat. But if you deal with a blue crab, you're picking at it all day. Yes. So the crab leg arrived and South Carolinians are, mwah, mwah. Done. That's easy. <laughs> it's true. I love going up to Baltimore and doing the, the crab cracks. Yeah, right. But right. you got to dress, you uh, gotta wear oh, like an old shirt. It's a commitment. And you gotta take it and you don't really stop because you're full. You stop because you just run out of steam. I pick I yeah, and I, they're spicy, I and now yes. I, I cut myself. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, so, it's a lot of work. So the crab leg solves the internal problem. Yeah, I guess that's true. Snap how do it. I get more meat in less you time? You get a big old piece. So in fact, it's sort of in tribute to South Carolina's <laughs> own crab, which you know still respected, but it, 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 it's it's its own thing. So like I said, we don't know exactly why crab legs got so big here, but they're huge here. They're also very big, it turns out, in the South Bronx. Um, where a lot of people moved from South Carolina. So um, it's interesting. See, we talked <laughs> about a while back a lot of yes, immigrants from from uh, New York coming yep, back coming to back South and Carolina. And bringing their taste for uh, and bringing Caribbean, food. Caribbean food here right. so that the cultural exchange has gone the other way. Yes, so <laughs> <laughs> it's also gone the other way. So there is a great story in the Times maybe 20, 25 years ago about the crab men who would walk around the South Bronx just selling a leg at a time. Uh, just like a, a leg of snow crab. Yeah, just like grab a leg. And so, and so you think, why would there be a market for crab legs in the South Bronx? Um, but I think it is probably because it, it repeals the South Carolinians' palate of I'd like some crab and I'd like yeah. it easily. Okay. So as I said, some of these things we cannot know, but what we can know, which I don't think many people did know until I started <laughs> doing work on this story, is how crab legs reached South Carolina in the first place. So, uh, <laughs> applause for a moment. So, okay. So how, you know, this is always like that, that thing in restaurant history or food history in general, like, you know, the first whatever, <laughs> right? And, and and everybody like who made the first potato chip or who made and there are so all many, bunch of lies. yeah, it's all a bunch <laughs> of just myth or, or and the stories get elaborated on. It's usually an accident, yep, always an accident because somebody accidentally <laughs> dropped thin sliced fr- right. potatoes into the deep fryer, which is not exact well, at all what happened. But, I will tell this story. So when, is when there I'm is done, there a surprise? <laughs> is, is there like a, an accident? Oh, like no, no, no surprise, no accident. And in fact, that's why this story is so, rings so true. See, this is why I'm excited because it's so hard to get it from the horse's mouth. Oh, well, I got it from the horse's, no offense to Mr. Blackford, but I got it from the horse's son. (laughs) That's close, pretty close. It's good enough. And as you'll see, this is a story all wrapped up with the government and and fishing regulations. So everything's pretty well documented. So we actually know what happened. What happened was this. A young man from Seattle. <laughs> that makes it sound untrue, but it is true. Young man from Seattle uh, in World War II was stationed up in the Aleutian Islands. And on the mess, there was King Crab. 
Ah, uh, yes. I was actually in, in Alaska mm-hmm. this oh, past right. summer yeah. and had king crab, yes. which it was, it was very good. Yep. Um, very expensive. Correct. We'll <laughs> you get know, back to that Very, part. very expensive. Yeah. But yes, it, it's something you, I wouldn't order elsewhere, but I will get it on the you know, Pacific. Yep. This Seattleite had no knowledge of king crab because all the way up and down the Pacific coast of America, Dungeness crab yes. prevails. And so they didn't even go out looking for any other kind of crab because a Dungeness crab is delicious. And that's all anyone really wanted. But they, uh, so he's up there on the ship eating king crab. He thought, oh, this is pretty good, too. Up to that point, it only had a commercial fishery uh, based out of Japan. So that they weren't exporting. Yeah. It wasn't reaching. Okay, so it's something really you can only get in Alaska. Yeah, in so US. you have to be serving, you know, naval capacity. It gets mm-hmm. thrown in mess. And, oh, king crab's pretty good. Um, so he gets back to Seattle. And some of his other buddies were also serving around Alaska. And they, too, had gotten a chance to uh, try king crab, including a man who I'll speak about in a moment, Mr. Uh, Blackford, who um, was a commander of the Navy's first integrated ship. It's kind of interesting. So on this first integrated ship, they were eating king crab and enjoying it. So um, Wakefield, I'm afraid I only know most of these men's last <laughs> names. So Wakefield, his family had already made its fortune in herring and I think salmon, maybe a little halibut. You know, they had <laughs> a good story where you make your fortune in herring. That's a <laughs> Right. So uh, they... Um, they already had seafood money in the family, and he thought, well, I'm going to branch out, and I'm going to get into the king crab business. And he tells his other friends, and they're just back from the war. They're looking for money. They're looking for adventure. And the idea of, you know, going up yeah. into the Alaskan waters to capture the king crab, they're into it. So they develop a ship, uh, the Deep Sea Trawler, and there's never been anyone like it, where they could catch the crab, process the crab, butcher the crab, cook the crab, can the crab, all on one So they had to vessel. not only go up there, they had to invent their own ship yeah, to make this happen. Yeah, they had to invent their own <laughs> ship, and ship. And the way that they were able to make this happen, at least partially, is as I said, they're all from Seattle, and they had fraternity brothers who worked at the bank, and they were really <laughs> quite fortunate uh, in terms of who was willing to give them money. Uh, even um. with that, they almost ran out. So in 1948, I believe, they had something like 400 Hundred thousand dollars in liability, or yeah, it, whatever it was, they had uh, yeah four hundred thousand dollars in liability, a hundred thousand dollars in assets, and all that was was the king crab in their <laughs> freezer, and they had fourteen dollars in their bank account. So it, it wasn't looking good for this new enterprise. But then they get a contract from the government. They're saying they they're going to survey the waters up in Alaska. They're like, well, all right, you know, they're going to take a little extra money. We're going to map these unseen, uncharted. Okay, so they want to go out and. Take yeah. some government money to tie them over. Take some government money to tie yep. them over and maybe catch some crab while they do. Well, suddenly the crab are bountiful and now they're <laughs> catching so much crab. And they get this new thing called radars or something. <laughs> so now they can find the crab. So now they have so much crab. Okay. So they've solved the problem of, of catching yep. king crab and freezing it or putting it into cans, whether you're having legs or meat. So now they have more crab. And nowhere to sell it. (laughs) (laughs) Which (laughs) no one's ever heard of. Exactly. Because they're the only ones who know what a king crab is. So it falls to Mr. Blackford, the the man we mentioned earlier. He is called the vice president. And this means that marketing is going to be his Mm -hmm. department. So... He gets the family Mercury. They have a, 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 a that car. Um, he takes the trunk and he turns it into a freezer. <laughs> he puts a freezer compartment and he loads that thing with king crab legs. And they're giving up. They're not even going to try to market anyone on the West Coast because they can't battle Dungeness. So he drives across the country to the East Coast. His car filled with crab legs. This is a I just the the, the pluck it takes to yeah. transform your car trunk into a freezer <laughs> and drive across the United States because you're convinced if I can just get to 
the right to the market, That's they're going right. to buy this king yep. crab. So his shtick is each town he went to, and he went to a hundred cities up and down the East Coast. And each time he came to town, he would call the local newspaper and say, I got a good story for you. I'm going to bring all the chefs into yeah. uh, to a hotel room. And he would get to the hotel room and he would say, oh, turn, make it colder in here. I'm freezing. I come from the great north. And the newspapers loved it. And they loved his crab legs. And it was so much better than the first strategy they had for selling crab legs, which I failed to mention earlier, which was they told restaurant tourists to just tell customers it was lobster. <laughs> <laughs> so when frog didn't work, <laughs> they, turned, they turned next to, well, uh, to hoopla. The, the problem with fraud is people <laughs> like the product too much. They're like, I've never had a lobster so good. Where can I go? <laughs> so they thought, let's put our name on it. So the chefs love the king crab. And it, from that moment on, king crab became part of the American diet. The legs are in Ladies Home Journal. They're, they're the, the meat is in life. Everyone's into king crab. It becomes an incredibly competitive fishery. They fish like crazy. They bring down the price of the king crab. And they start fishing for snow crab. I was about to say, because you don't get king crab in Myrtle you Beach today. You do not. So oftentimes they will say Alaskan crab and they don't specify right. because they want you to believe it's a king crab. But as one of the biologists I spoke to said, if you pick up the leg of a king crab, you'll bleed all over your plate. So that's how you know <laughs> it's a king crab. Mostly we're getting snow crabs. Yes. Um, so yeah, so it creates this market for big, easy to open legs. Snow crabs come along. Now, I won't go into the whole detour as I do in the story about the biology of snow and king crab. But suffice to say, as much as people like these, um, both of them need to live in cold water and the oceans are warming, as we know. So both the king and the snow crab are moving around as this is happening to lots of species with lots of different habitats. Um, they are So there's now a developing both Norwegian and Russian fishery, which did not previously exist. So I don't know what's going to happen because we're talking about like happening right now. So in this case, it's not that the Norwegians are just suddenly discovering we no. can catch these. It's <laughs> they're going that, to them. that the crab are going to Russia and Norway. Correct. Yes, wow. they're going way up north. So currently, um, it, nothing's really changed. But the idea, it certainly seems like both you know the ecology and the uh, uh, economics of crabs could change in the coming years because. because I've always wondered about that because going back to the, it's not just a snow crab legs on the menu, it's the all-you-can-eat buffet right. aspect yep. uh, of it. So are, are snow crabs, like, really cheap? Um, they're they're cheap enough, and I, I can't quote the, the price just off the top of my head, I don't know, but they're cheap enough. Um, it's considered one of the best-managed fisheries mm-hmm. out there. Um, Alaska generally does a pretty good job with all of their different uh, fish, I guess, because they're, such, they're so new. You know, the U.S. wasn't regulating that until later, so it doesn't— it was always pretty scientifically managed. Um, so, yeah, so the, the scientists are happy with how this is being managed, but there are certain things we can't manage our way out of, like global warming. So it, it'll be interesting to see. Mm. So um, in terms of trends, of, of you mentioned there's a dozen, a dozen restaurants in Myrtle Beach serving all you can eat. Is that up or down from past uh, years? That's a great question. I mean, the way I usually track these things, you know, I look at old phone books or old newspaper ads. Yeah, that's hard to say if they're all you can eat buffet. Yeah. Exactly. So I was not able to say for certain, like, that's what they serve and that's where they, you know, and I, I don't know who was advertised. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Now, that would be a hard one to turn up. Uh, it, it was a really hard yeah. one. So, yeah. But... 
But boy, was it a fun story. Wow, that's a, <laughs> I, I knew all about snow crab leg buffets from having well, eaten you know them. all about snow Well, I, knew, I mean, I knew all about the yep. the eating of the snow yes. crab. I've, yep. I've eaten yep. my, my share of it enough to say, I frankly, though I'm not a big fan of, of snow crab oh, myself. Okay. I far prefer blue crab. Uh, oh. I think it beats better. It's sweet. It's, it, to me, it's worth I, the effort. I, yeah. But it totally makes sense now why Somebody can just crack it and pull out a big old piece, you know, why that would take off. And I can't recommend more highly (laughs) going to Captain George's if you have the opportunity. It is just a a, a phenomenal place. The buffets are shaped like uh, ships, (laughs) three-mastered ships, Um, and there's stars on the ceiling, and everything just glows, and it's beautiful. And they have something like 80 different things you can eat. You know, they have the oysters and the mussels and the clams, and nobody eats anything but snow crab. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing. Well, I have not been to Myrtle Beach in a while. It's been a couple of years since I went there and, and eaten out. But I, I was in Panama City, so mm-hmm. how I spent my hurricane. Uh, we have family uh, in, in Florida, so we we decided, yeah, it's a good time to go visit the, <laughs> the old in-laws down in Florida. Um, so went to, among other places, went to Panama City, uh, and it's where my father-in-law has a condo, and spent some time there. And uh, we went out to eat it. Captain Anderson, so yeah. another captain. But it, a lot of this is is ringing true because I I just had the best time because it, it this restaurant's been around. Uh, they just celebrated their fiftieth anniversary. Oh, wow. mm-hmm. um, so this thing this thing's been around since the sixties, mm-hmm. and it's that large format restaurant. Yep. You, you you say Captain George has the rope. You can't mm-hmm. even get the same thing. You you wait to get to the hostess stand. You go right. in. You put your name on the list. And then they call your name, and yep. then you go to the hostess stand, and then they they seat you, because um, for traffic control reasons, right. huge dining yeah. room. Not it's not I couldn't be a thousand seats, but it's it's a lot. It's yep. a huge dining uh, dining room, all wood, old stuff. I had pompano, which is something I haven't mm-hmm. had in for forever, and I don't yeah. think you can even get. I don't you never see it, it in, in South Carolina. Oh. So especially the Gulf, and and uh, it was absolutely delicious. No crab legs. Well, there may be snow crab legs in the menu, but I did not not try them. But now I'm, I'm sort of have this nostalgia for the uh, the old fashioned '70s and '80s era uh, seafood. Oh, it is great. But again, it it does nothing looks outdated at Captain George. (laughs) And the one other thing I should mention. And this didn't feel outdated either. It's it's been kept up to date. It's clean. It's not battered. They they obviously replaced the tables and the paneling, but it's still, I think, you know, a lot of wood, a lot of fish tanks and stuff on the wall and all all that kind of stuff. But it's it's very nice still, even though it's at the beach. A lot of people were wearing, were dressed up. People oh. would dress up to go out to, to dinner, even at the beach, you know, which is something you don't see a whole lot these That's days. That's really so. neat. So that was a nice throwback to, to <laughs> people would put on a collar and shirt at least. You know, they weren't in ties <laughs> and suits and ties or anything. But. The only thing I wanted to mention about Captain George is, so people who are familiar with the, with it probably already know, but I, I just think it's <laughs> it's an important part of the story, is that George got in a little trouble a few years ago, and oh. he, he got into poker. Uh, oh, dear. A lot of poker. <laughs> and so his daughter sued him because they said every night he was playing <laughs> poker, and it turned out he was playing poker in a house that the feds alleged was <laughs> really not a licensed gambling house. So he he got away with uh, just misdemeanors, apparently. Okay. But there there are some some legal troubles that that fortunately Captain George's was able to survive. <laughs> but George is still around. Uh, Captain George is still around. Yeah, I believe so. I believe so. There was also a price fixing uh, scandal regarding the legs. Um, oh, I didn't. <laughs> yeah. That's an interesting one. Because yep. I always wondered about that. You know, obviously with all you can eat. Yep. Price control has to, or, or portion control, mm-hmm. sort of goes out the window. So, we, you know, do, do you limit people to trips to the buffet or, or not? I guess it's not all you can eat if you limit them. Yeah, well, I guess they were just, they had some sort of, there was a little bit of a kickback scheme, yeah. I guess. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
So we're so all going to uh, make, yeah. make promise to keep the same high prices. Right, right, so right, right. Keep from undercutting each Something other. Something like that. Well, so. It's uh, there is far more to the snow crab leg world than I ever realized. I told you. <laughs> well, I do like this as a as a food historian. This gives me both like the thing that everyone craves, but they can't get a certainty of like who was first and how did this happen. Exactly. But That's, yeah, yeah, and it, it's another one that. Uh, it's not an accident. It's not like somebody just stumbled into, oh, I, I mistakenly ordered the wrong <laughs> thing and it showed up and my customers loved it. Right, right, No, this right. guy No, this is deliberate. Worked. <laughs> he developed this market. Yeah, so. <laughs> Which is the way things really happen in exactly. real life is that people put a heck of a lot of effort into yes. it. <laughs> yes. All righty. For this edition of The Winnow, we recorded today's episode in the All You Can Eat podcasting studios at the Post and Courier Building in downtown Charleston, South Carolina. If you enjoyed listening to The Winnow, help other listeners find us too. Just go to iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you access your podcasts and like us or leave a rating. The Winnow is a production of the Post and Courier and Palmetto New Media. Our producer today was the Grammy, Jan Ray Parker. Just because it's hot. <laughs> it is very hot it's in so the studio today. Our theme music is by the Bluestone Ramblers. Until next time, I'm Robert Moss. And I'm Hannah Raskin. Now get out there and eat.